This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. It's now moving into New Year's. And guess what? We had a great slate of games over the weekend. None bigger, Jason, than the Ravens at San Francisco. And as Jason LaConfora is here, Baldy will be here on Thursday. Of course, I'm Carl Dukes, guys. It's good to have you back here. Uh, We hope you had a great holiday. But this thing now is starting to get a lot clearer. And for the Ravens, Jason, I know we've talked a lot about this team this year, and I've been on them. Um, Every team has their flaws. But damn, that Lamar Jackson is really good. And when you need plays made and you need – First downs and, you know, extending plays. I don't know if there's anybody better in the league. They're now 12-3 and with their win over San Francisco last night. And, Jason, uh, I thought this was a beatdown. This was a dominant performance by the Ravens last night. Absolutely. Emphatically, to go on the road on Christmas night and do that to a team that um, had been otherworldly uh, for most of the season, had been otherworldly since their bye week, and – had been in a completely different solar system than everybody else since their bye week at home, right? Where they're efficient, they're they're running at efficiencies that, um, you know, the analytics people would tell you, put them in historic uh, uh, terrain. Like we're, and to get uh, embarrassed and have their pants pulled down on national TV in their building in a way, the likes of which we don't, ever see incredibly rare yeah it's it's a statement for the ravens it's a huge statement and, and i think it's also a statement you know rock Purdy also made a statement it's a little different statement than the statement the ravens made but i thought this would be a 30 to 22 type game 30 21 i just thought san francisco 
would have too much offensively for the Ravens. Um, and look, the first half, San Francisco had 231 yards. San Francisco averaged 8.8 yards per play in the first half of that game. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, the wall's going to break in the second half, right? Like, it's McCaffrey off running behind Trent Williams, whatever they want it. And it's Kittle in the middle of the field, whenever they want it. And if they keep that up, the Ravens aren't going to be able to keep pace. Because I'm thinking, well, Brock Purdy can't take a sack or, or throw a pick to end every drive. Little did I know. Brock Purdy was just getting started. Uh, uh, yeah, the 49ers got unmasked. And, and I mean, you saw it again last night, and I've been saying it all year. Trent Williams is the MVP of the San Francisco 49ers. Trent Williams, they go as Trent Williams go. Like, he is the main cog in that whole thing. He takes it to the next level, running the ball, throwing the ball. And Purdy's having an off night. And it starts crumbling, and then they take Trent Williams has a groin issue, and he leaves, and then forget about it. Like, okay. at that point, the game was over. Those backup tackles, all of a sudden, Clowney shot out of a rocket, Van Noy shot out of a rocket, like <laughs> Brent Urban's getting two sacks. The drop-off from Trent Williams to anybody else in that system is, is nothing short of massive. Uh, Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, uh, he should be a head coach. I think he will be a head coach. He got in Sam Darnold's head, and he had him so shook. And uh, well, Darnold later, but more to the point, Brock Purdy had him so rattled, had him so scared. Frankly, not scared to get hit or to get hurt, but scared to be unmasked. You could see that kid's psyche crumbling right before you drive after drive after drive. And now Kyle Shanahan better build him up real quickly. And if Kyle Shanahan doesn't have Trent Williams, I'm telling you, they're not they're not going to the Super Bowl. They're not. And the NFC's watered down, but they're not going to the Super Bowl without Trent Williams. Um, yeah, he's got some work to do on that kid. Uh, you know, defensively, the 49ers, they're big and bad. The Ravens are rotating tackles. They don't have a left tackle or a right tackle they trust. And where was Bosa? Where was Bosa? That's what he got all his money for. Where's Bosa? Where were you? What were you doing? You couldn't beat Patrick McCarry. You couldn't beat Daniel Fa'alele. Come on, bro, man up. What was that? Uh, it, it, they got they got whipped. I mean, they got whipped, and Lamar Jackson just does what he does, which is make things happen, whether it's on script, off script, bring out the best in everybody around him. And for them to do that without Mark Andrews, without Keaton Mitchell, while they're rotating tackles, like. You know, Odell didn't practice much this week. Zay Flowers didn't practice much that week. It, 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 it's, it was tremendous. Um, and the 49ers look like paper champions a little bit, right? They look like the guys who the spreadsheets say are the greatest ever. But to your eye test, they don't, they're, not, they don't, they're not tested that often. And the NFC is not like the AFC. For them to come up that small at home, this late in the season, and Trent Williams going to get an MRI. Look out. Look out for the Lions. Look out for the Lions. Look out for the Rams. Yeah, it's a dangerous situation uh, if those injuries play out. And to your point about Brock Purdy, who I've loved all season long, but he hadn't, he hadn't seen this. He hadn't seen what you're nope. talking about with Mike McDonald and this pressure 
they were picked off five times total, four by Purdy, and then Darnold came in late and they got one extra, and it was just, you know, icing on, on top of the cake. I, I want to talk about Lamar just for a second, Jason. 6.4 yards per carry, 105.9 passer rating last night. And I go back to the offseason when we talked about if Lamar was not going to be there and if they couldn't get a deal done, that other teams like the Falcons or other teams that were interested should have given up two first-round picks and made it happen. And the irony is that is a team now, and I'm going to use them as an example, that has struggled at the quarterback position, and they're not going to be in the playoffs because of the quarterback position. And the Ravens have rode Lamar Jackson, and we can talk about Todd Munkin and all the things around, but ultimately it's still about him making the plays that he needs to make. And I just think when you talk about guys being worth it, like when he got his deal and he got his bag, this is a completely different team without him. And I'll tell you this, I talked to some, some of the guys on that staff before the season started, and I remember one of them saying to me, we've got a real chance with Lamar. And you hear that and you kind of go, all right, but then you see it. And I know you're around it. Yeah. You watch this team closely, but it's like, dude, he is a complete difference maker. And I got to tell you this, everybody, if, if they win next week against the Dolphins and they clinch home field, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem yeah. to go to Baltimore and try to win out, whether it's Kansas City, whether it's Buffalo or Miami coming back. I don't care. So next week's a huge game. You got past this one, but they can clinch the top seed next week, Jason. And I just I think Lamar, it's it's a quarterback league. He's carrying them, and you said it. Guys didn't practice last week. It didn't matter. We're still going to make plays. Well, he's the MVP. I think that you know, everybody knows that. We did the case study a few weeks ago. Compare Lamar and who the next best player on the Ravens' offense is, and then do that exercise. <laughs> you know, for the for the Brock Purdy's of the world, and it's it's apples and oranges. Lamar makes the whole thing go. He is the offense. Um, it is Lamar centric in every way, shape, or form. And he would have ran for more yards last night if he had to. It wasn't a close game. And, and so he didn't have to do a whole lot of running in the second mm-hmm. half. And, you know, he, he didn't. But when he needed to take off to 30 to help, you know, end that first half as emphatically as they did, well, he was able to do that. Um, yeah, he's a special player. And, and I tried to call out all these feckless frauds and cowards who run these NFL teams and who colluded – against this young man and try to act like he was less than or something else or that he wasn't truly available or that it wasn't even worth no one picked up the phone to call him to have a conversation with him. And they're all getting what they deserve. Arthur Blank, you're getting exactly what the F you deserve. Woody Johnson, you're again getting exactly what the F you deserve. Josh Harris in Washington, bro, you you had a chance to come in and I know it was a little late in the game, but, like, I hope you learn from this. Like, I hope as a young owner you see that these opportunities don't happen very often. And just because the rest of the billionaires want to pretend that it's more important to keep salaries down or, you know, to hide behind no guaranteed salaries than it is to actually go out and try to reward their fans with the best players possible whenever they're available. Like, it, it, it was shameful. It was a shameful display. And there's people out there shilling now for these owners like, well, Nothing was going to happen anyway. Get out of here. How do you know? How do you know what Steve Bashotti would have done if somebody put $270 million fully guaranteed on the table? Like, and, and, and the worst case scenario is they're paying that young man what he's worth. Like, okay, well, all right, we did, did we do their work for them? Maybe, but we took a shot. I mean, what, what made more sense? 
having Aaron Rodgers take you over a barrel for three months and, and now he gets to pick, pick your coach and GM and your, your offensive personnel again next year when he's only played four snaps for you? Like, what's worse, getting put over a barrel by him or maybe helping the Ravens in the end negotiate a contract, but at least you gave it a shot. I mean, that, that was exactly what it was. You could see it in real time. Um, it, it was, it, again, it was shameful. And the, these same owners who will come to any jurisdiction at any time and give me $600 million more for my lease, give me $500 million more for stadium <laughs> upgrades, you know, Tennessee, Tennessee, yeah. build me a $1.4 billion stadium so that we can host the Super Bowl. Right. But when it, but, but when it's time to go out and put that money into something like this, they all just sat back and pretend like this situation wasn't actually happening, that he didn't actually go on social media and write a letter in his own words about why he's never going to play for the Ravens again. And even that didn't prompt one of you. I don't even want to say what I want to call you. One of you not to pick up the phone and have a conversation with him. Fans should demand more, man. The money they ask you to pay, you should demand more of your owners. No doubt. Let's switch gears. Talk about another game we saw yesterday on Christmas Day. It was great, by the way, to have Christmas football. It was awesome. Uh, the Raiders. I got to give you props, my friend. About three, maybe four, I don't know, five weeks ago, we had a conversation about Antonio Pierce. And you gave a eloquent outline of why he is deserving why he fits what the Raiders do, why growing up he was a Raiders fan, he's a player's coach. And we fast forward to yesterday where the Raiders go into Kansas City and beat Patrick Mahomes 20-14. to 14. I thought the game plan was on point. They did an excellent job of executing. And then you saw the emotion of, of, of Antonio Pierce after knowing how big that win is. Jason, this dude should get the job. He should get the job. And if they screw this up, I know for a fact you and I are going to be on here at Baldy talking about how the NFL, again, this is a disparaging moment for African-American coaches yep. and assistant coaches to get opportunities when they put in the time and the work and they deserve it and then they get over, overlooked. There's no reason Antonio yep. Pierce shouldn't get this job. Look, we want to talk about feckless, pathetic ownership. You've got it there, right? He, he got people to build it. He didn't even do the stadium deal himself. I mean, that's uh, right. Alderson put it together. Like, it fell into his lap. Like, he wasn't born on third base. He was born in the batter's box, almost coming all the way back around the score. You know, he's a left-handed <laughs> hitter who was, born, who was born in the opposite batter's box. All he had to do was reach out his foot a little bit and touch home plate, right? So, like, you can't do anything on your own. You have been unable to steward that franchise whatsoever and now all this is going on like and we got woody johnson out there telling everybody why he's going to keep his people he's keeping his people because the quarterback wants to keep his people it's not like because they're empowered he, he's boxed in you mark davis by the time this podcast hits you should have already come out and said we've offered antonio pierce a you know a three-year contract extension to remain our head coach like because if you were not to do that if you go on a wild goose chase and end up hiring some Bobo because you'll hire some Bobo, that is not only um, a slap in Antonio Pierce's face, it would be a direct repudiation of every signal your locker room is sending you. It would be literally to spit in the face of those guys and to tell them, 
I know better. You know, I, even though I've never gotten a damn thing right. And he's come out and said, hey, eventually I got to get this right. Like, it would literally be such a, you, you peasants, you know what I mean? You fools, you think this is enough? No, I'm going to go get my guy. Like, whatever that means. Like, if he were to do that, um, I think he'd have a long off season of guys telling their agents, get me out of here. You know, and that's where it was at the trade deadline. And Antonio Pierce has reversed that um, somewhat single-handedly. And for them to make the statement they made without a forward pass completed through three quarters, right, at Arrowhead where the Chiefs were still um, a much better offense at home than on the road, and to do it without Josh Jacobs, right, to do it with a backup running back and some, some of the offensive linemen pretty beat up, and for the defense to make the collective statement that they made and to do it coming off of just getting Brandon Stanley run out of there, right? And to do it coming off of having Kansas City a little bit dead to rights in the third quarter the first time they faced them. Like, to have done what they did to Miami, right? Where even the way they – Miami's offense, the way they held them down, limited them to 20 points at home, going back to early stages of this Antonio Pierce thing. like. Now, he's your coach. If you can't see that he's your coach, you know, you're the biggest fool in professional sports. Like, there, there's nothing else you could want from someone than what Antonio Pierce is giving you. Um, the, and, and, look, you said it. That There is uh, – it's not a fair fight for, for coaches of color in this league. It's just not. Never has been. Um, and the standards for them to keep jobs as interim head coach is is bonkers. You know, Steve Wilkes should have never been let go out of Carolina. Like we, right. we can go, we can do this over time. There was a time when Todd Bowles did the job as an interim in Miami, should have got the head coach there. Like it's been happening forever. Like Mark Davis, if you're who you say you are and you're your your dad's son and you see things the way he does and you have the same thoughts about this league and what it should be. And, you know, you truly embrace diversity. Like, for all those reasons, yeah. And even if you didn't believe in any of that, if you knew an iota about football or team building or um, men and leadership, and then you would just th – this is over. This is your guy. You found your guy. Now go lock him up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's all there is to it. It's In the Huddle, guys. Follow us, In the Huddle Pod, on YouTube. Of course, like us, subscribe, and make sure you don't miss an episode. Jason Lockon for Carl Dukes. Baldy will be with us on Thursday. Let's talk about the other game <laughs> in which uh, a guy gets benched, and, you know, you say, was this the right decision? All of a sudden, say what you want. The Giants got life in this game. Now they lose to oh, the yeah. Eagles. 33-25, but Tommy DeVito gets benched, and everybody's going, okay, 
Well, is this desperate? No, I actually like the move by Brian Dable because you know what? You've got to give your guys a chance. Yeah. They didn't do anything in that first half to, to, to move the football, to even getting the scoring position. But two things here, Jason. One, the Eagles in the three-game skid. And two, is the DeVito thing over? Yeah, no, it, it's over, and it was cute, and it ran its course. And look, they, they got some things going in Wildcat. The DeVito thing is somewhat – it's never going to, was going to be that sustainable, but it remains interesting when it unlocks new things in the run game. But when he stopped looking to run, and which he didn't really run at all, you saw Tyrod Taylor came in who doesn't want to run, but there were these opportunities to just take off and go with how that defense was playing. And for DeVito not to exploit that, and then Tyrod Taylor comes in and it's 21 yards here and 15 yards there to extend drives with his legs. It's like, what the hell was DeVito looking at? Like, that should have been his wheels or his best asset. Um, and they didn't lean into the Wildcat stuff as much as I thought they would. And they had really no semblance of a downfield passing game. So no, they they it started drying up in New Orleans and it continued and bled into the first half of this game. And yeah, you saw the throws that Taylor makes, the ball placement accuracy. Um you know, understanding when you throw a jump ball, how to sort of throw it and give your guy the best chance to go up and yeah. get it. It's just a whole different scale and magnitude of quarterbacking. And they, they started scoring points when he came in the game. And he should be their quarterback from here on out. You, you got enough of a look at DeVito to see that, you know, he's he's – a, a still a developmental guy, you know, if you want to keep him in your room as your scout team guy or whatever. So sure. whether they bring Daniel Jones back, whether they trade up to draft somebody, whatever they do, um, I don't think you're looking at, you shouldn't be looking at DeVito as somebody who's competing for a starting spot. So, you know, and really look, the Eagles, good for them. They had to find a way to win a football game. You know, they, they had to make a little bit of a statement. Um about their ability to be somewhat balanced offensively, and they were. Now we got to see them do that against much better defenses and, you know, perhaps do it on the road, which is a different story. But, you know, they 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 had to get Swift going. Um, they had to put up some points. Defensively, though, I still have questions. And Matt Patricia ain't it, you know. Yeah. And this is another game where it's closer than you kind of think it needs to be. And you're you're watching them against a backup quarterback again in the final minutes, and them sitting there thinking Taylor might pull this off. Like if Darren Waller gets up off the ground when he catches that ball, and right. they get one or two more shots at it, like they should have had, I'm sitting there saying, at the very least, they're going to get a pi in the end zone, and they're going to get a free play from the one with no time on the clock, and you know they might be able to send this thing to overtime with a touchdown and a two point conversion. So. I still have major questions about them defensively. Um, and they've owned the Giants for years. But, but you know, them scoring 30 is is kind of a big deal. I don't care who they did it against. They had to get their mojo back. They had to finish some drives in the end zone. And they did that. And, you know, most importantly, they're, they're in the driver's seat now to win that division. Yeah. And they're still viable. Again, like if San Francisco, if Purdy's banged up and Trent Williams isn't playing football, like they're not going to lose to Washington, but it, 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 you know, it, it'll be interesting. 
And then they've got the Rams week 18, and the Rams certainly are going to have something to play for. Like if I'm Detroit and Philadelphia, I'm I'm feeling like that. What I got to approach the rest of this season, like we could get home field. We need to play our asses off these next two weeks because San Francisco might slip up again. We might be able to get home field. Yeah, I uh, I was impressed with the way the Eagles were able to to, to finish the game. Um, give the Giants credit. But you're right. I mean, this is they needed to stop the wobble, and they did that yesterday. Let's talk about the Dolphins, Jason. I'm going to give you a play that happened late in this game that kind of sums up, I think, the Dolphins, maybe their biggest play of the season because they just needed this, right? I mean, the Cowboys coming in. It's third and two with a minute 42 left. Dolphins uh, down 2019. They're at the 15-yard line of the Cowboys, and they run the ball for six yards. They pick up the first down. And then they drain the clock and they kick the field goal and ball game. And Mike McDaniel gave the ball to somebody I didn't think he would. He gave it to, to Wilson on that play. And I'm just saying, like, the, the plethora of running backs that they have, right? Yeah. You, you just kind of – it's like, okay, it's, it's uh, you know, A-Chain. It's, it's Wilson. It's – you throw all these guys in there. Mostert. Mostert has 20 touchdowns, like, yeah. rushing. It's sick. And so – he gives the ball to a guy that he's that he coached for four years in San Francisco and he traded for last year. And the point is, guys, this is knowing players. Mike McDaniel seeks, figures out how to use a guy. Nobody else wanted Mostert. He was in San Francisco with him, too. Nobody else yeah. wanted him. He was like, come on. And yeah. all of these guys are overachieving. So they beat the Cowboys 22-20. And Tua was great. No picks. Clean football again. Um, and as we talked about, they got a big game against the Ravens coming up this weekend, but give them props, right? I mean, they, they handled business against the Cowboys in a big game on, on Sunday. Yeah. Look, I thought it was incredibly gutsy. Um, and I think that's sort of what, what people wonder about them, right? Is we know that the coach is super smart. We know that they play hard for the coach. We know that again, when they're at home and everything's tuned up and everybody's healthy, that they can hit some notes that not everybody can hit. But when that orchestra is not all tuned up, right, and it's the third tuba and not the first tuba, and it's the second oboe <laughs> and not the first oboe, what what happens then, right? And that's what the, and that's what this was. And they showed some moxie. They they showed um, some willpower. They showed an ability to win ugly and to win with some of their you know with a, not a hand tied behind their back a few fingers. And let's face it, Tyreek Hill has kind of just been a decoy lately when he had, like, I, I don't really, like, with what's going on with his ankle, he's not, he's not, you're not getting 70 plays out of Tyreek Hill. No. It, it, he's on a pitch count, and he's not really himself. And then Waddle goes down on top of that. And I thought that over the course of four quarters, they would gut Dallas with Mostert. We'll never know, because Mostert only played half the game. And a chain is not right. And they're without their center. And they, you know, they found a way to not only win the game, but to win the game on their terms so that, you know, Dak didn't get another shot at them. Incredibly impressive. Um, I think moving forward, I have questions because you come to Baltimore, you know what I mean? If you're coming to Baltimore and neither of your top two receivers are, you know, who they normally are, and neither are your top two running backs or who they're, they they normally are. Like, that's a speed-based team. That's right. 
You take all that speed out of the equation. This isn't this isn't Dallas on grass outdoors on the road. This is Baltimore at home on grass where they like it. Uh, I, I just think that you know this 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 could be a tough time uh, for them to yeah. have to meet this challenge. But for what they did on Sunday, uh, yes, Tua could not afford to turn the ball over. Tua could not get caught playing glory ball or trying to push it downfield. Um, you know, against Bland and against the big play defense. Uh, and look, Dallas, we know what the script is there, right? They win yes. a certain way. They win by winning the first half. When Dallas does not win the first half, I don't care where they're playing or who they're playing, Arizona, like they could be in trouble that day. And I'm not sure they're going to win the first half against Detroit. I'm sure we'll talk about that game more Yes, on Thursday. But even though Dallas is going home, I don't think this is the kind of team they want to face. A team that has multiplicity in the run game and that has a, a slew of playmakers in the pass game. Um, and a real smart coordinator, Ben Johnson. So this will be an, an interesting test for Dallas. I, I don't – I don't. I mean, I know they're six-point early favorites. That feels like a lot of points for them to be giving right now. Um, it does. And Dallas's offensive line beat up. Dallas and Dallas can't run the football. Like Dallas like has it. some inherent flaws, and the defense is overrated. And the defense does what it does because it plays with these leads for 35 minutes, 30 minutes, 28 minutes in these games. When that's not the case, it's a whole different scenario for them. Um, so yeah, Dallas. I thought Miami would win that game. Miami won that game. Um, and Dallas is Dallas is who they've always been. It's not not a damn thing's changed. Dak, 17-play, 69-yard drive, by the way, in the final four minutes to give him the lead. It was big, but they didn't win the game. I only say that to say, don't put this on him. <laughs> he's doing no. a great – it's not him, right? He's doing what he needs to do in these games to try to put his team in position to win. Um, let's talk about Detroit. W what a story. Because if you don't realize this, they drafted Jameis Williams – they drafted Jameer Gibbs. They drafted Sam Laporta, right? They drafted uh, Melifon Wu, right? The safety, the strong safety. I'm just going down how this team has been built. And Brad Holmes came over from L.A., if you guys yeah. don't remember, and he was the guy that traded for golf, and everybody said, oh, he's crazy. And he saw what golf was when he was in L.A. And now they've clinched a division title for the first time since 1993. So big shout-out to Detroit. Um, and Dan Campbell and his staff. But this thing, and what I'm saying, Jason, is this thing is being built the right way. Like, you know, they drafted Hutchinson. Like, if they continue to do this and build on what they have, Detroit's not going anywhere. Like, all of a sudden, maybe this division shifts from being Aaron Rodgers' division all those years in Green Bay to now it's Detroit's run, and we don't know what Chicago's going to do, and they got a lot of work to do. Minnesota, what decisions they're going to make on the quarterback. But – Man, I just I think defensively too they're getting after it. They had eleven quarterback hits against the Vikings uh, yeah. on Sunday in that win. Yeah, Aaron Glenn has ramped up the blitz the last couple of weeks. No, no two ways about it, and he's had to because expecting Hutchinson to kind of be a one man D line week after week after week this late in the season with how many reps he's played, I, I think was uh, asking too much. So um, look, I don't have any questions. I I don't have any questions about the football people with the Lions. My question is again. 
with ownership that has been generationally feckless. Now, I see they're raising their ticket prices 150%. What are you going to do to back it up? Like, the last time I can remember you having a player who looked like he was becoming best of breed at his position was Hawkinson, and you traded him. Not only did you not want to pay him, you traded him in the division. That's right. Like, are they going to help Dan Campbell out? Are they going to help Brad Holmes out? Like, the golf thing, if he's your guy, that should have been done by now. You've been talking since the offseason. The prices are only going up. That should have yeah. been done. That should yep. have been resolved. You know, it, it started hitting the skids in the middle of the season. Then the quarterback started hitting the skids because he's a human being. Like, so my question is, what's the Ford family going to do to take this to the next level? I, 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 they finally put together some winning combinations of people in the leadership roles. Will they empower them with the checkbook? We'll see. Uh, but right now, yeah, they've got their mojo back. They're healthy up front with the offensive line. That's where it starts for them. And they face some teams lately that are pretty good against the run, and they've been able to, to, to move the ball on them, uh, you know, Minnesota being one of them. And I, I thought if that game was as close as I thought it might be, I thought it was going to be because they made golf one-handed. They're throwing a ton, and then we know that, you know, him on the road, that could be a couple of picks, and that might be the difference. Um, but they're 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 a sound football team defensively. Do I have some concerns with them? Yes, I do. The way to alleviate those concerns is to again be able to run the ball early in games and not have golf throw the volume of passes that he's thrown. That's got them in trouble because is that defense good enough to withstand short fields given to them by their quarterback against good offenses? No, I'm not sure they are. Um, but I, I like. I like the way they're playing right now. Uh, and golf is willing to, like, anybody in any given down and distance formation looks like he could be the guy. Like, he, this could be a this could be a winning play for Montgomery. This could be a winning play for Gibbs. This could be a winning play for Williams. This could be a winning play for Laporta. Um, St. Brown has been great all season long, and, and he's back to being um, a guy who they're willing to throw the ball to 12, 13, 14 times and sustain drives through him. Um, yeah, I, I, I like what the Lions are doing. That was a big, big moment for them. And there were a lot of sharp people in Vegas who actually, you know, were, were, were putting a lot of money on the Vikings and thought the Vikings were going to win that game outright. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I told you already, I, I think the Lions are not who the Dallas Cowboys want to be seeing this week. Like yeah. that, this, this, this is not, you know, Pittsburgh in October. You know, this is not Seattle a few weeks back. This this is, you know, not the New York Giants, you know, who you roll. It's not even the Eagles, who are a good team, but the Eagles haven't played well in Dallas in like, you know, six, seven years. This is this is a different ask. I think the Lions will be very up for this game on Saturday. And I think you'll know who's going to win this game by the end of the first quarter. If Dallas does not come out and score points early in this game, I think Dallas is in deep trouble. Jason, let's talk about the Browns. They are in contention, and I mean real contention, for for potentially you know doing something nobody expected. No Denzel Ward, no Anthony Walker, their middle linebacker. Their, their tackles are jacked, right? I mean, their offensive tackles. Yeah. Quarterback changes, you've seen it all season long. No Nick, Nick Chubb. Chubb. Nick Chubb hasn't played in months. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And here Kevin Stefanski is. 
with Joe Flacco at 10 and five after beating the Texans 36, 22 this weekend. So what's the deal here, man? What, what, what are we going it's, to get from the fun. Browns? You know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a deep shot on the first play of the game. It might be in Joku. It might be Elijah Moore. It might be Cooper. It was a whole lot of Cooper in this one. Yeah. You know, and I kind of wondered. I kind of thought Stingley might do the job on Cooper. So I was playing in Joku, Moore, a uh, couple of the running backs in the past game. That It just turned out. Now, I'm, I'm going to throw it 15 times to Amari Cooper and let him go for 250 on you. Like, they, they know exactly who they are. They are going to do what they do. And Flacco knows, bro, I'm throwing the ball 45 times minimum today. So I'm not going to sweat the five throws you'd want back, including right. the two or three picks, because we're going to come back after those picks, and I'm going to let you take a deep shot for 35 yards on first down and see if we can get the momentum right back. Like, it literally – it's from the first play of their first offensive snap – in, in, until the last, like in this game, I mean, even when they were up, like part of me started like wondering if there was bad blood here because they were up three scores late into that game. And Flacco was still out there and they were still throwing it. I'm like, is there something between Stefanski and D'Amico Ryan's? Like, uh, I, and then I'm like, maybe they just want Flacco to throw for 400 today. Like maybe they'll, they'll, you know, maybe DTR will take over once Flacco hits 401. But it's a lot of fun. The Browns fans are obviously eating this up. Um, and the defense has struggled on the road. And so for the defense to lock them down, now I know it's a beat up Texans team, right? Yeah. They're beat up is. everywhere, including quarterback, but still they put them on lockdown until garbage time. And the Browns defense hadn't done that on the road for a while. Um, but the Flacco thing, like they keep setting his passing totals in like, at like 243 and 250. And they keep setting his attempts, you know, around like 38, 36, and his completions at like 24. And I'm like, he might do that in the first half. Pretty much did it in the first half. Like, and they're going to get the Jets on Thursday. And he wanted to play for the Jets. He wanted to go back to the Jets. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't let him in the building. I got to get money for my guy, Tim Boyle. It's not about actually winning games. Tim Boyle's got a job. He's beholden to me the rest of his life. Like, no, we're not going to work out Flacco. What do we need to work out Flacco for? Our QB slash GM says we're good with Boyle. Okay. Well, it's going to be, you know, like, I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. Like, sauce, you better be ready. You know, you better be ready because he's going to throw to Amari Cooper. He's going to test you deep. And the Jets defense has been great against the deep ball. But it's a little different with this guy and, and just his willingness to, to just put blinders on, not care about the rest of the world. And just go out there and be that old school gunslinger. Like, Carl, not a lot of guys are throwing for 300 yards in this league right now. This no. guy's throwing for 350, 375. He's doing it pretty much every week. Like a down week for him throwing the ball is like 280. Like, and it's 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 big boy throws. It's it big is. boy throws. Like, it's 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 wild, man. It's it is wild. Um, that's an interesting team. Like. You better get to him, man. You 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 better expose those backup tackles. Like you you better get pressure on this guy because they have weapons. Um, and you know if they get home games, look out because the defense at home, the defense at home is number one in yards per play uh, allowed by a country mile. They give up like three point four yards per play at home, and their uh, points per drive is far and away the best in the league. Zero point nine zero points per drive at home. 
Like Ravens, Ravens got to keep the the pedal to the metal. The Ravens haven't even clinched the division. I mean, how crazy is that? I know the There's Ravens all... haven't clinched the division because of Joe Flacco and what he's done in Cleveland. Like if that was still PJ Walker and DTR, done. I don't even know if Cleveland's in the playoffs. Yeah, it, let it's... alone still alive for the one seed at Week 17. That's the thing, man. I mean, some things could play out. Uh, I, here's the, the word that I would say about Flacco. Fearless. He's yes. just playing fearless. Like, he doesn't give a damn, right? His, he, he's accomplished more than most will ever. I won a Super Bowl. I bet on myself. I got my bag. Dude, I, I'm good. D-G-O-F. Like, <laughs> yes. he wants to yes. be able to come home after these games and have his kids, some of whom are old enough now to appreciate what he does, bust his balls about the bad throws. But gush about the big ones. Like it's it's he's playing with house money, man. He really is. Guys, it's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us, and uh, of course, you can follow us on YouTube at In the Huddle Pod. Check out all of the stuff there. And uh, as I mentioned, Thursday, Baldy will be here to talk about the upcoming games. I want to finish with this, Jason, as we talk about what we just saw this weekend. And there's a lot uh, as we're trying to focus on some of the key games. Coaches that are we got two weeks. Coaches that are going to get got. Give me three. Give me three. You think Rivera for sure, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Rivera and Belichick, that's, that's definitely over. Okay. Like those, so those, th- those two, two. Are absolutely over. All right. G- give me – do you think that the I don't Saints think Mike Vrabel's will... back in Tennessee. Really? You think he's gone? Okay. I, I what about uh, – Go ahead. What about Dennis Allen with the Saints? I think Dennis Allen um, – Whoever doesn't win that division is, is probably, probably in yeah. big trouble, you know. And and honestly, I, I think in the case of Tampa and Atlanta, we're really all three. Like, even yeah. if you win it and then you host a playoff game, you know, and you get embarrassed, uh, sure, that's that's happened before. Like, uh, I wouldn't think- be shocked if everybody in that division, because we know Carolina's already done it. If everybody next year has a different coach than the one who started this year, yeah, it's that's what's crazy. And with two weeks left, <clears throat> a lot of these owners of the teams we're talking about are just waiting, right? They're waiting to see how it finishes. To your point, but I don't even know if it matters. I think some of these guys have their mind made up already. They're just letting it play yeah. out. But I think they've already got their minds made up as to how this is going to shake out. Jason, man, looking forward to seeing what happens this weekend. Happy New Year. All right. Uh, Happy New Year, brother. Yeah, man. I mean, we're going to get there this next Sunday and uh, bring in 2024, and then we'll be talking about the playoffs, guys. But want to make sure that you guys are here in the huddle. Subscribe and like us. Tell your friends. Hey, Jason, have a great day. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thank you. We'll talk to you Thursday. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 